Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined as always by Raj Geary and today Dennis Farrell. And we're going to have a guest today, Sean Devari. You know him from WWE, you know him from TNA. And he's going to talk about his new wrestling school today and what else he has going on. So thanks for joining us. Uh, before Sean joins, Raj, what's going on this week? What do you like in the world of wrestling? Uh, so Sean, he's running a little late, but he should be jumping on here in a minute. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a super busy week. You got New Japan this weekend, uh, tons of media conference calls I'm jumping on. I We got some stuff with Kenny Omega up on the site. I got a couple more of the stuff I talked with Omega about coming up this week. Stuff I talked with Cody Rhodes. Uh, Scott Steiner uh, is doing a media call today that I'll be jumping on. So that should be really interesting. Uh, and yeah, and... and Dennis, you you've got the podcast with Petey Williams. What's uh, what are his thoughts on Steiner wrestling again this Sunday? You know, he feels like Steiner is going to be more in a tag team role going on. It's with all due respect to Petey's you know thoughts on Steiner, he's kind of shocked he's back and that he's he's doing it in a singles mode here and there. But uh, I don't think Petey, you know, let's say too much, put too many words in Petey's mouth, but. Uh, I think he's just as shocked as most of us are that he's he's kind of trying to go. Uh, he, I mean, yeah, he's how, how old is he now? Nine hundred forty-two. Nine hundred forty-two years old. Uh, yeah, it's uh, he's fifty-four years old. He's still jacked as hell, um, which is kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, for non if non WWE weeks, this is uh, gigantic. It's uh, really busy. And perhaps all that news overshadowed by the huge confirmation. The rumors are true. Jinder Mahal will be defending his championship in a Punjabi prison match at Battleground against Randy Orton. So what's the difference between a Punjabi prison match and uh, like I, I I already forget the other ones. I know one was uh, Undertaker and Big Show. That got changed the day of the event. It was supposed to be Undertaker and Great Kali, and uh, and yeah, what it, it, it's just pinfall or submission, right? No, you got to escape the, the cell inside the cell. There so are two like, layers. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And it's uh, steel. What do they say? Steel reinforced bamboo. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing to me. I mean, on so many levels, that this is what they're really hyping as the the highlight of battleground this is going to be the big match yeah um well you know they 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 got the one indian gimmick so <laughs> they gotta they gotta they jump do. on it yeah <laughs> but let me ask you guys this real quick do we make fun of the pujambi prison match because the great collie couldn't really wrestle and it, it you you associate those two too closely together or if it was a thing before the great collie and he didn't really introduce it and he wasn't so closely tied to it would it have been kind of a cool like oh yeah that's kind of cool like we all remember the three layered still cage from let's get ready to rumble and then wcw actually introduced it and it was kind of an okay thing could could this actually be a redeeming quality for this pujami prison match if this comes out to be quite entertaining um I'm sure it'll be a good match. I'm sure it'll be fine. I think it's just sort of funny. And I mean, we were talking about it last week when it was a rumor. It just seems like the laziest thing they could be doing with, with Jinder Mahal and to have him pick a match. Hey, there's a, there's our guest. There's Sean. 
Can you see me? I'm totally naked right now. I'm trying to find an appropriate place to get dressed. Don't don't drop don't drop too low. I know. I'm trying to switch the picture. I'm the big one. There we go. I see that. Yeah. I was actually going? thinking about putting you guys just like in front of like one of my eight by tens and just having like look at that while uh, while I get dressed. Hey, whatever you need to do. <laughs> that man. works. Thanks for joining us, Sean. We're just discussing. I was just telling Raj like I, I have you seen that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer's like making food in the shower like he makes salad for everybody in the shower yeah. like i've, I've li- either become as crazy as kramer or all along kramer's been a genius and it's changed my life getting this waterproof phone and, and just work in the shower hey whatever works <laughs> we're uh yeah just just keep the phone up high hey, Mr. ken anderson how you doing man good how are you good oh, I got underwear. all right so well, Sean's covering the, his ass. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry I'm late. Oh, no problem. Uh, so uh, we'll start with you, Ken. What's been going on? Are we on the air? Yeah, we're on yeah. the air. Yeah, yeah, we're live, buddy. <laughs> oh, can we do that again? Um, <laughs> not, not much. I just had a fantastic weekend of... Uh, I had Al Snow's wedding on Friday in Kentucky. Um, Luke Hawks' show in uh, New Orleans on Saturday. And then I spent two days gulping and hanging out with a bunch of Navy SEALs and other celebrities at a, at a charity event in Ohio. And now we're getting ready to fire up this uh, this third class of students. Hey, well, so that starts uh, next month? Is that right? This Friday. No, this Friday. This Friday. Yeah, we have a four, three or four. I think someone signed up yesterday, so we have three spots left or four spots left. If people are interested, nice. So, uh, it, yeah. So, tell us, uh, tell us what's going on with the class, uh, and and how the first two the first two sessions went. I'm trying to figure out what to wear. So, can you handle this one? <laughs> <laughs> wear your birthday suit, bro. Um, That's what I had on earlier. They said it wasn't TV appropriate or live. This, by the way, podcast is a crazy misrepresentation of what we're doing. By the way, <laughs> it's a bit of a misnomer. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the thing about our our training is that we cover all aspects of professional wrestling. Um, for some reason, this all all wrestling schools seem to focus on is the in ring stuff. You know, guys taking bumps. And Damari and I both realized we made our money in the business through uh, the art of the promo and and that kind of stuff. So we really focus on that just much as we focus on the in-ring stuff. Six weeks of training. Um, and three nights a week. Two nights are physical. And then one night we spend just dissecting film, cutting promos, working on character development. Um, so let me ask you this, Ken. Um, we got Slammiversary coming up this Sunday. What What are your thoughts on uh, Jeff Jarrett being back in charge and and Dixie Carter being gone, having having been there, uh, you know, while Dixie was in charge and all the changes that are taking place? You know, I I love Jeff. I think he's a I think he's great, and you know, I've always gotten along with him, and I think that. I think the DTNA um, has a better chance of of success under Jeff Jarrett, and and here's why. And I'm not trashing Dixie Carter at all, but you know she's a. I will. <laughs> <laughs> she's not necessarily a wrestling 
you know, she didn't really know anything about the wrestling business before she got into it, before she bought into it. So I think when you have people that have been in the trenches, it's almost like they, they say in the military, when you've got uh, officers that are handing down information and, and rules and regulations and stuff, and they've never actually been out in the field, they've just gone to college and uh, it's just, it's, it's better. It's always better when you have somebody who is actually an enlisted man. Yeah. Who ends up being an officer handing down that. Now we were talking, like I, I interviewed you recently and you had, you had a great line and we were talking about all the product that WWE has. And you, you said something about how uh, you can't watch your your wife go down on someone for three hours. <laughs> I, I, better, I better not watch my wife go down on somebody for three hours. Um, no, I I said uh, WWE Monday Night Raw is three hours long. I said I don't want to watch my girlfriend play with her pussy for three hours. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what it was. And that's my favorite thing in the world to to watch. Beyonce. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, what are your thoughts on wrestling today? Is WWE just with their oversaturation, just killing it for other... I mean, other wrestling is probably bigger than it was, uh, you know, than it was 10 years ago. But is the oversaturation with WWE making it difficult for another real player to get in the game? No, I think everybody's trying to do the same thing. That's my personal opinion. Everybody's trying to do family-friendly. Yeah. And I've always been... I'm. I'm not saying you have to go blue all the time for the sake of blue, but a little edge, a little more edge would be, would be nice. I think. And I think everybody's just trying to do this family friendly thing. That market is cornered and cornered very effectively by the WWE. So somebody needs to come along and do something more along the lines of an ECW where, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, but ICW, is an organization over in Scotland, and it's it's huge, huge in the in the UK, and you know guys are allowed to say whatever they want to on the microphone. They can swear when it's appropriate, and uh, one guy wrestled with his balls hanging out. I'm not so sure that <laughs> is something that we need more of, but, uh, <laughs> but you, you know, like they're not afraid to push the envelope, and. I, I don't know. It's a show about guys that want to beat each other up. Uh, I've never been in, I've been in some fights in my life and I've never experienced a fight where there weren't a few uh, curse words slung around. Yeah. Know what I mean? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem like pro wrestling is inherently uh, PG 13 to R rated in, in, in what it, represents it's if you know two guys that hate each other and you're paying to watch them uh face off and and uh i feel like that's kind of being missed like it's and, and you get it here and there and when they do it like lesnar and samoa joe right now and that works but they get they they only do it so often and then it's just kid-friendly comedy campy stuff and I'm not saying that that stuff has to go away entirely. The right. beautiful thing about wrestling is that it's different flavors throughout the show. And you should be able to find something in that three hours that entertains you. Yeah. And I don't think that everything needs to be adult oriented, but some things should be able to, to go that way. Speaking of family friendly, Sean, are your pants on yet, man? 
Yeah, I just dropped a goddamn watch pin. I can't fucking find it. I'm looking at the goddamn thing. <laughs> this is a family show, bro. <laughs> it, was, it was. I think yeah, I think that went out the window about ten oh, yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm using my phone to talk to you guys, but I need the flashlight on my phone to find this fucking watch pin. <laughs> so we had uh, so Matt Morgan does our post Monday Night Raw podcast with you guys. I know, and I know he's he's a big fan of your school and big fan of you guys. Um, Matt somehow became one of my closest friends in wrestling. I really don't know how it happened. I, I don't. I don't really. I know we met at OVW, but like. I don't know how we became buddies, but just we've been super tight. He's like one of my actual friends that I stay in touch with, regardless of pro wrestling, all the time. So wait a sec. It took you that long to put on a t-shirt and shorts? No, I have a really bad ADD. I was I'm answering mail. I dropped trying to change a watch band. I can't find the pin for it. He, he's multitasking. He's actually doing about ten things right now. As, as I'm literally looking for a watch pin under my fucking. What do you think? We can right. actually watch it. It's it's lovely that you're taking us on that journey with you. <laughs> I'm using the light on my camera. <laughs> okay, is it a is it an iWatch Watchman? Let's uh. Man, give it the program. I'm no I'm no neo Nazi. I got my own Android shit. Oh, oh, geez, <laughs> that's that's unfortunate. It was awesome. I got a MacBook the other day, and Ken was like, "Oh, look who's got a Mac!" And I turned around, had Windows on it. <laughs> <laughs> Buy a Mac just to run parallels on or whatever that's called yeah oh man that os is garbage so convoluted so so sean let me ask you your, your brother Arya's doing great and i think he, he's uh but what are your thoughts on 205 live and how it's being presented right now it's actually kind of I was, I was listening to what you guys were saying earlier like um they're not making it very diverse the whole program when ken said it should be you know a little bit of this a little bit of that it's really not it's three hours of the same thing. If, if it was three hours, if it was like Saturday Night Live, I go watch Saturday Night Live, it's two hours. But it's not all slapstick, it's not all political comedy, it's a different shit. Raw is all the same, and now 205 Live, which the Cruiserweight thing they did that summer, that tournament was different, but now it's just another brand, it's exactly the same, so I don't know what makes it special. Yeah, it, it it's like, how are you gonna get people to watch another hour when it's kind of, the, they, they don't let the Cruiserweights go all out. So, so the wrestling style is, Kind of the same as what you already see on Raw and SmackDown. I tell Ari all the time, it's exactly what they did with ECW, where they it's it's like um it's like selling a bill of false goods. If they just said, hey, here's our new brand, it would have been fine. But they said, hey, here's that cruiserweight shit that you guys love this summer, and then they don't give them any of that. People have more resentment towards it. They're like, you told us this is a cruiserweight show, it's not. It's just another group of WWE superstars. And same with ECW. I remember it was like they, when the ECW came back on Sci-Fi, all they seen as a WWE produced product was those two one-night stands and they're fucking amazing and then the first show came out it was like sandman came out and beat up a jobber in a fucking zombie outfit i was like what the fuck yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if they called it anything but ecw it would have been fine but the fact that they promoted it as ecw the ecw fans were really upset same with all the people that fell in love with that cruiserweight tournament they tune in this they go this is nothing like that awesome like if you put that on the network it seems like it's a completely different product yeah i agree that tournament was one of the best things I'd seen like them produce in years. It seemed like a King of the Ring type thing. Like, they don't do that shit anymore. No, I was I, when they did the tournament. I was like, hey, man, you know, they might be onto something here. Like, you know, if they keep it, if they keep this going. Uh, this is what happens with with big companies. By the idea man, by the time the idea man's idea gets to the execution guy, it's, it doesn't even look like it was what, what it once was. I wish they would let guys just sink or swim on their own accord a little more too. You know, it's man, the British guys did that. So me and Ken put on that on Fridays. We do tape review in our school, and we put on those British guys that had that the NXT show. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. They just said, 
you guys got 20 minutes. Like, you don't work here. You're not WWE superstars. You just go do your thing. And they first time in a sold out Allstate Arena, which is an amazing building in front of a crowd that big and the biggest platform. And those motherfuckers like stole the show and they didn't get nervous. And they just went out there and they did their thing. They didn't do what somebody else told them to do or what they thought they wanted to see. They said, well, WWE fans like this and the office wants this. They just went and did their thing. And it was amazing. That, that was a total swim scenario. Right. And, that was like and, a Michael Phelps swim scenario. Yeah. And, and Ken, you were kind of there uh, at the end when WWE kind of switched from the R rated to, to PG. Like you were there at the, the, the end of the more yeah. organic, uh, you know, era, I guess. When you were there, how much, uh, how much were your promo scripted and how much w- was that, was that you? When I first got there, they would just give me bullet points and let me go out there and do my own thing. Sometimes they wouldn't even, they just say, you got, you know, here's how long you have fill it with as much promo as you want. And um, Vince would say, Hey, don't worry about being a good guy or a bad guy. Just go out there and be you and go over with the people. And so I, I did that for several months and then suddenly, you know, they started reining, reeling me back in. They thought that I, and, and I probably was too. I, I took things a little too far. I remember doing like the little bit with, I, I had the little thing going on with Tony Chimmel where we were going back and forth all the time. And, uh, and I did a thing from, you, you've seen Full Metal Jacket where the guy, the drill sergeant finds the jelly donut in his footlocker and, mm-hmm. you know, gives him a hard time. I <laughs> did a struggle spot with Tony where I opened up his jacket and I found a jelly donut in there. And I mean, you know, I went through that whole thing and I came back and Vince was like, that, that was just ridiculous. <laughs> too much you stepped over the line pal and that from that point on it was like okay then then it was we don't want you to be funny at all we don't want you to be entertaining and here's what you need to say and you need to say it exactly and it, i really struggled for a couple of years with doing promos there man i just couldn't figure out what he wanted from me it was like he said hey all that stuff that got you here stop doing that stop doing that shit and it was really it was really a struggle. Jeez. Um, and then when TNA, they were like, we understand the frustration that you were going through over at WWE with your promos. Here you go. Go ahead. And they would just give me bullet points again. It was awesome. Sean, you got a, you got a big uh, promo on your face right now. This is way better on the freaking computer uh, on the phone. Nice. I'm going to listen to you guys. I'm playing with this thing. <laughs> and Sean, when you were there, were there were did they script the promos at all, or was it uh... only once? Uh, I mean, yeah, they always had stuff out. So I had a completely different experience than most people because, like, you know, once in a while they'll have like a you know Muhammad Hassan or Nathan Jones or somebody where like before they even show up, the company's like, this is the guy we're running with. So like when my first day there, I thought it was like everybody's first day. I thought you just show up and you're figured in. So. Literally, like the first few promos we did, like Stephanie would just come over and sit with me and Mark, and she'd have her laptop open, like Microsoft Word or something, and we'd just start talking, and she'd write something out amongst the three of us, and she'd be like, maybe she'd be like this, no, I don't like that, yeah, I like that. She'd hammer out, she'd go, yeah, I'll go show Finn and see what he says, and that's how I got approved. So because I kind of started in that way, that's kind of just the way it remained, except for one time when Dave Lagana got fired, they brought in this new writer for Smack. It was literally, the guy just got hired like a week ago. He like, just only worked in actual television. So he's used his actors reading verbatim when he writes. He came and worked like two weeks, and then Lagana got fired, and because he was like the next guy there, he just moved up the totem pole and became the head writer of SmackDown. And like, didn't know what the fuck he was doing, was 
way underqualified. Not underqualified. He just he'd been on the job two weeks. It's very difficult business to wrap your brain around, you know. And then uh, he gave me these like scripted promos, and he had me like they're long. I'm dumb as shit. I can't remember lines, and I can't act, so I can't even feel anything that's not my vernacular, you know. Anyways, and then uh, what, the thing that got me saved from there, I did like three shitty promos in a row, and and um, Roddy Piper came. We did a Piper's Pit, and he just wouldn't do a script. And this guy's going, "Oh my god, what are we gonna do? He doesn't know what to do." I'm just like, "I got this, please." Like I'm begging you. And then we just me and Roddy just went out and did whatever we did. And we came back and we're like, oh, that was great. Oh my God, why haven't you been doing that every week? I was like, you motherfucker, we all can do this. Like, <laughs> What was it like working? Like, who was he? You remember that guy? That? Who was that guy that just like, so Dave Lagana, same thing happened to him, but he'd been with the company for like a year. So he yeah, had a year. What was his name? Alex Greenfield? Yes, yeah. And so Lagana's been with the company for a year. They fired Paul Heyman and he gets Heyman's job. So this guy like literally did that exact same thing, but he'd been on the job for like, two weeks. Yeah. Do you think Alex Greenfield is fucking awesome, by the way? Um, I remember MVP coming up to me and handing me this piece of paper. And he was like, "Ken, does this look like some shit?" I would say. <laughs> it was like, or does this sound like a white Jewish guy from New York? <laughs> was, does this sound like a black fella from MVP. Miami or a white Jewish guy from New York to you? <laughs> MVP is a very well-spoken man. And they were, you know, it was like Ebonics and. Yo, man, this shit was wet, Mark Henry. <laughs> <laughs> they put, they, they wrote a promo for me one time and it, it said, and I would never say this shit in my life, but it was something like, that's cray cray. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, uh, so, uh, Ken, I, I know you've uh, you've you've discussed in the when when we interviewed you, you 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 talked about stuff in the past with Randy Orton and John Cena. Have you ever spoken with them since? Like, has that kind of blown over at all? Do you think? Yeah, I I've not spoken with John, but I've spoken with Randy, and everything's cool. Yeah, you know, I I'll say it and I'll say it again. Like, um, I don't blame those guys. I blame myself. Yeah, so it's. I those were just like the the straws that broke the camel's back, hmm. but um, and and the thing is is like I could be pissed off about those situations or I could be pissed off at those guys, but at the end of the day, do they care? Is it ruining their day? It would, it would only be ruining my day if I really thought about it and cared about it. Yeah. So yeah, it is what it is. Water under the bridge. Yeah. And, and Sean, what are your thoughts on? Uh... Were you involved with those Punjabi prison matches that they had? Oh, yeah. I did the first one. Those things were terrible, man. Yeah. Hey, tell them the story. Tell them the story <laughs> about Pat Patterson. Covering up my drug paraphernalia. Uh, so when, um, when like, uh, we did this thing, like, we'd never done one before, and we didn't even know what the thing was. Like, they were building it as we promoted the match. It was like a Dusty Rhodes thing, you know, like um, – he came up with a thing that we didn't have. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we, do, we used to do it all the time. We'd make up, like, boot camp matches. And we'd promote it and advertise. And um, and then we'd have it. So they advertise this thing. We don't know what it is. Some, Not even the company's building it. They're going out to, like, some concert stage company to build this thing. So the day before the pay-per-view, they rent a soundstage, like, in Indianapolis, where the fuck we were. And they set it up. Just no, there's a ring in a warehouse, or like, a soundstage, and this giant wood cage around it. We go up and touch the thing, it is solid steel. Like, not even, like, 
not even like steel gauge steel, but it's like solid metal that you could like hang 10,000 pounds from and it wouldn't even move. It, just it painted it. It was like a yeah, thicker, like galvanized pipe, like yeah. this thick around. Like you'd probably move like natural gas under the ground through. And then some painter faux painted bamboo texture on it. So you can't <laughs> work with the thing. The cage is like, you know, a regular cage that like Hogan used to wrestle on. It's like a. Or the blue bars. Yeah, the blue ones. This thing is like two feet by two feet. So literally, like I, me and Taker could go through the holes and just escape the thing because it's so big. <laughs> and then. Anyway, so we don't we don't know what we're doing, and like we're just like I guess we'll throw them in the cage and this, and then Pat's walking around. I gotta like act it out. Pat's not saying shit. He's just kind of walking around, doing this and looking at this and going this way and this way. We're like, you know, we we don't know what the fuck we're gonna do. And then Pat comes up, is like, why don't maybe because the, the, there's a little cage with four doors, and there's a big hell in a cell size cage outside of it, and he goes, what if the doors open once and then they shut every 60 seconds and once it's shut they don't reopen and that way we could create a false finish by taker could get out but when the last one opens you throw him back in the door shuts he's locked in there you look like an escape and then taker gets out over the top i was like this motherfucker's just making up rules to create false finishes this is amazing like <laughs> like we, i couldn't i never i knew he was smart but just seeing that process like right in front of me i was like man i would never have the wherewithal to create that scenario now that was the one that uh, ugly Kali... blank canvas. What's that? It was like an ugly blank canvas, right? And Kali, that was the one that Kali was pulled from, right? The day of. Oh yeah, that whole thing was a clusterfuck too, because we didn't get our hepatitis results back. The whole pay per view got fucked. So, so, so what happened there? We did a hepatitis blood test because uh, we did it whatever, and they didn't get the results back by Sunday. So anybody who had blood given that didn't get the results back yet, just for safety's sake, they just said you can't work. And it was like. I think you were one of them, right, Ken? Weren't you on it? No, I fucking I bled all over that motherfucker. Oh, yeah. so, so that's right. So it was like Bobby Lashley or someone couldn't like six like every match was fucked up because every match had a talent that didn't get the results and they all came back negative, but they just didn't have it yet. So like I'm like literally on Monday, they all the results, everybody's clean. Like great, we just fuck up the whole pay per view for nothing. Don't they have those like I, I'm guessing it's hepatitis C, right? That's the blood one. Whatever it is, yeah. it just, they said like, yeah, we'll get you the results and you yeah. know, back down on Tuesday. And then by Sunday, they didn't, I'm sure it's just a lab fucked up. Yeah. Cause I, didn't get it done in time. Yeah. Cause I thought they had like rapid tests for some of that stuff, but. For HIV. The HIV, the, I just did it this last week cause I had to give a license to wrestle in uh, Louisiana and I had to get an HIV and have a food test. The HIV tests, they can tell you within like 20 minutes, they do a little cheek swab. Yeah. But the FC actually has to get sent out to a lab, and it takes about seven days oh, to get your results back. Wow. Um, and, and Ken, I want to ask you, since you, you won Money in the Bank before, uh, did you get to watch the women's Money in the Bank matches? I did not. Yeah. No, I was traveling. Um, oh, that sounds really it. good, was it? I, yeah. I heard, you know, mixed results, obviously. I, I heard mixed reviews. People were pissed off that – it was a guy that actually went up and, and got the briefcase, right? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. The girl, the heel girl won by her manager. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, Ken, bro, don't get <laughs> so when, you, when you won, how, did you find out that day or did you find out like well in advance? And did, did it seem like there were plans? Because one of the writers, Kevin Eck, uh, recently wrote an article about how Vince does not – 
really care about who wins money in the bank. It's just a fly of the seat decision. And there's not really plans uh, a lot of times for the, for the people that win it. Yeah. So we went to Orlando. No, I'm sorry. It was Detroit. We get there five or six days in advance for WrestleMania week. And I think five days out, maybe four days out, they have a room, a big room with a couple rings and ladders and tables and all sorts of other stuff in there. Anything you could possibly think of that you would need for a wrestling match and crash pads. And you go in there and you start working on, on your match. This is the only time of the year that that happens, by the way. You know, normally matches are done on the day or sometimes they're done in the ring as they're going on. But this is WrestleMania. They want to make sure that everything's sweet. So you go and you meet five days in advance and you start planning stuff out and thinking about some, some really great false finishes and swerves. So we were at, I think we had been there in about two or three days and they still, I think Edge was going to win it. They were still talking about Edge winning it. And then three days out from the pay-per-view, they, they, they switched it and uh, went my way. And it was still, you know, I knew it was possible that right before our music hit, they could have said, no, we're going to go with uh, CM Punk or, you know, it was just, I did know three days in advance, but as in, it's just a fact in wrestling that things can, can happen or things can change on the fly and they often do. So I always. Uh, uh Oh, that happened. Was that Academy? Oh, Academy Hangouts? Cool. We lost you there. For, we lost you there yeah, for a second. Yeah, somebody, somebody tried calling me. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I believe. I want to get back to playing this. Half of what you see and none of what you hear in the wrestling business. Because yeah. people are always going to tell you, to like this goes back to, you know, when we were doing independence and stuff. Hey, uh, we're getting TV. We're going to get a TV deal. Every independent promoter out there always <laughs> talks about their TV deal that's coming up. Yeah. Why? You don't even know why they want it. Like, I, I, you have live events coming to a town that you could use as a commercial. If not, why the fuck do you want TV? Unless you have a TV deal that they're paying you, like Spike TV was, paying TNA. But like, what the fuck's the point of it? People lose what they're doing all the time. Mark. Myself included. I'm barely doing a podcast right now. <laughs> and so, and so, Ken, did, did, did they say, like, uh, the plan is for you to win the world title, you know, down the road or at, at such and such date? Or was it just kind of like... No, we decided... We decided that I was going to cash it in at next year's WrestleMania. So I was going to cash it in at WrestleMania. And I, I announced that, I think, the next the next night on Raw. Um, or maybe it was SmackDown. That, hey, I'm already setting a date. I'm going to cash in my money in the bank briefcase at WrestleMania next year. And so that was the plan. That was the plan. And then, um, and then Taker got injured about three months later, two months later, something like that. Taker got injured, and he had the world title at the time, and they were trying to figure out a way to get it off of them. So they called me in the office and said, hey, I know we were going to have you catching in at WrestleMania next year, but we need to get the title off of Taker, so we're going to have you come out on next week's SmackDown, and you're going to challenge him after he has a cage match with Mark Henry, and blah, 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 blah. You're going to win the title. And then uh, three, four days later, I was in a wrestling match with, with Batista and a bunch of other guys, like an eight-man tag. And Batista, it wasn't Batista's fault or anything. He just he gave me a clothesline. I took a bump, and I felt something pop in my tricep. And I ended up, uh, my arm swelled up so bad I couldn't even bend my elbow. I ended up going to uh, see a doctor, take an MRI in Erie, Pennsylvania. 
the next day, Stephanie called me and said, Ken, you tore your triceps off the bone. You're going to have to have surgery and you're going to be out for seven to eight months. But unfortunately, we still need to get that title off to take her. So we're going to have you fly to Penn State. Edge is going to challenge you for the briefcase. And he's going to go on to do what, what you were going to do. Um, so that's what happened. And then the interesting thing was that the next day, I flew to Birmingham. So I went in, dropped the title, or dropped the briefcase to Edge. And Tuesday, I flew down to Birmingham, Alabama, met with Dr. James Andrews. And I was sitting on his, te- on his table, and he just, like, was feeling my triceps and he goes yeah that's not a tear <laughs> jeez <laughs> and I said excuse me no no that's that's definitely not a tear I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not a tear I can't feel anything in there but we'll give you another MRI which was fucking fantastic because I love MRIs because I'm not claustrophobic yeah. or anything right. and, um, who does like fucking a, a fucking jackhammer and- for 45 minutes <laughs> it's it's the worst thing, and you can't breathe because my my like I don't fit in there. I can't imagine what a guy like Batista does or Mark Henry. Did you hear what Dave Big had? Show? Or they had a flight day to the only machine in the country that's open. He had to, he had to wait like three months to get to it because he couldn't fit in the tube. Who? Dave Batista tore his tricep, and there was like one MRI machine. You know those old tanning beds that were just like a canopy. They're like yeah. half. There's one yeah. in the country. Those like he had to wait like three months to get into it because he couldn't fit into a normal size one. I haven't, no. I've done one of those open MRIs, and they're not that much op- more open, actually. You've got the, the plate that sits on top, the, t- the top part of the tanning bed is literally like pressed up against your chest. You have to turn your head to the side. And it's, it's still brutal. It's slightly more comfortable just because you can see daylight around you. But yeah. yeah, so I did the did the MRI, and sure enough, it was just a bruise. It was a hematoma. Like I popped up and just bled a lot internally. Jeez. And three weeks, so it was like a three week injury or something like that. Yeah, man. Uh, Sean, uh, Mike is asking how it was working with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 21, and and also I guess to that, so a couple people were asking, do you think uh, Hogan will be back in WWE? Yeah, I mean that's a no brainer. It's like I mean. You think Mel Gibson's fucking acting career is over? Like, it, it, everything heals all the time, you know? Um, but here, here's the thing that, that that was, I didn't even remember it at the time doing it. Cause when you're, it's crazy. Like, a lot of stuff I watch back, like now from the network, I can actually see some of my old shit. And it's like, it's almost like an out of body experience cause you're moving so fast. It was like, by the time you're doing all WrestleMania week, just promotions and shit all the time. And you go there and you do it. And literally, you just got to get out of the building, go to Raw the next night. And then, like, it just never ends. You never really remember or kind of keep track of what you're doing. So now when I watch it back, I'm like, man, I do not – like, I remember it happening, but I don't remember a thing about it. I don't know what spot's next. I don't know how the people reacted. So – but then after a little bit, it was cool. I was like, yeah, that was a really cool thing we got to do with Hulk when he's, you know, in 2008, nine, whatever. And like 2010 when he went back to TNA and he just started working like every week and doing a bunch of shit again. I was like, oh, man, I feel like my thing was like – Hulk's last hurrah, and then it wasn't, and it was like there was so much shit after it that wasn't good, and I was like, it, it really kind of cheapened it for me because I'm Mark, I'm I'm aware of the wrestling bubble. I'm sure WWE fans have no idea what TNA is or that he even worked there for a year or two, so maybe it, it's a. <laughs> I don't I don't remember I don't remember any of it, but when I watch it back, it seems really cool. Yeah, um, Kent and and, and Sean, both of you guys. Um, 
what what made you guys uh, decide to start the wrestling academy? It was something that we've been kicking around for several years, and it just felt like it was the right time to pull that trigger. And there's really there was nothing going on, and I shouldn't say nothing because there was a, a wrestling school here in the Twin Cities, but. Um, you know, we really wanted to, we had a vision for what we wanted this place to be. And we wanted to, there's so many huge names in the wrestling business has come, have come out of Minnesota and it's kind of like slowed down. It's died down for some reason in the last eight years. Um, you know, obviously, and, and, and one of the strangest things for me is that there used to be a lot of female wrestlers on the cards in and around Minnesota. And there are none today. None. Like every single card that you go to in the Midwest, there's there's no girl. So, I think it's the audience. Maybe oh, maybe the, maybe a bunch of kids are going to shows. They don't care. To, you know, it's not because the girls at wrestling isn't the same. Like remember those Devil Search fucking girls walking around and shit. Like it was it was like insane how many hot chicks were around. But now like if that's audience doesn't want that shit, maybe there's no demand for it. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But you're right. I don't see any. We have like we have 52 kids. We have like two girls. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the audience doesn't want that anymore or just the audience that would want it has gone, you know, like, and you're just getting down to the hardcores. Once they're there, like they do like athletic, you know, female contests. They don't care if the girls suck and they're, but they're good looking, you know, maybe a, <laughs> maybe like a, you know, 20 year old kid or 18 year old kid, college kid. Like he's actually paying to see the blood and the tables and the bullshit. But Hey, if there's a 10 minutes of some hot chicks, he's okay with that too. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm really, I, a horrible I, person. I'm not, I have to think, go ahead. I was saying that people always ask me this kind of stuff. And like I, I, me and Ken talk about it too, is like when we're trying to promote the school, like who's our customer? Like I am not the pro wrestling business of 2017's customer. So my opinion should mean fucking nothing to no promoter. Like I, I'm not the guy that buys tickets. I'm not the guy that buys t-shirts anymore. Whatever I feel or think is irrelevant. That's like asking, you know, uh, ESPN X games, a like hundred year old man, like, Hey, what do you think about skateboarding? Like things. it's not your demo. It, it, it does seem like, though, like with Impact, um, there's not much difference with what they do than what WWE does. And WWE ratings have been falling over, you know, for the past decade. Why not try to be different and do what WWE isn't doing and take what worked in the past, like the Attitude Era, ECW? You don't have to make it smutty, but just use what's worked in the past to try it again, make it new again. And be an alternative as opposed to just doing the same stuff when you already have, you know, eight hours of, a week of WWE doing that. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Good. This PG is, um, is frustrating for me as a wrestling fan. I still am a wrestling fan to a degree. And, uh, yes, don't – the WWE has the market cornered on the PG stuff. Go a different route. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, so, Sean, I wanted to ask you, what do you think, you know, in terms of booking, what do you what do you think? Of, I know famously, um, I'd always heard the story about in 2005 that you requested to be off TV um, after some geopolitical stuff happened in the world. What do you think of what they're currently doing with gender and that here we are in 2017 and they don't even have to say anything and he still gets that sort of heat just based on his appearance? So I haven't seen anything he's done, but now going into it, I can't believe how many people were just jumping on that bandwagon of like, oh, they're they're 
he's a he's not a, he's not a white American, so he's just gonna be the pushed heel, or they're like, oh, they're just trying to go to India, so they're, he's the guy to to have. I was like, if you just strip that away from who else would be a good guy for babyface Randy Orton to fight other than a six foot three jacked guy that people don't like? <laughs> who cares what he's from? Maybe maybe they don't like his murders puppies. Who knows? It was like the guy. I, it's weird that kind of like the ladder match we we're talking about earlier. People get so fixated on one thing they can't zoom out just a little bit and see the whole picture. It's like babyface Randy Orton just beats Bray Wyatt, who's a heel, one of the hottest acts. And historically, when Randy turns ba- Randy turns babyface, he's a good heel, and then he's a babyface, and then they they taper off. So who can he work with as the champion coming out of WrestleMania? And he can't keep the belt because babyfaces chase titles; they don't carry titles unless you're an anomaly like Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan. Like he's the perfect guy for the job. Who else could do it? You can't put him with AJ; they'll cheer AJ. Can't put him with Shinsuke, you know, he hasn't started yet. Like, who could they put him with? Nobody. He's the perfect guy. And they're like, oh, he's Indian. That's why they picked him. Oh, is this generation's Muhammad Hassan? Or they're like, fuck, he's jacked. He's talented. Like, what else do you want? I think he's great. You know, I I wonder if I'm almost becoming too comfortable with it as a parody of that stereotypical heel heat. He's, you know, not one of us. Stupid USA chants. I mean, but it's. I haven't haven't seen that. I'm just talking about going into the motherfucker. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy to me, though, that that still happens. It's kind of like you guys were talking about with women's wrestling. It's like women's re- revolution, whatever. Go to a live wrestling event sometime with the casual fans that don't watch TV every week, and you still get take your top off, puppies, <laughs> all the stupid chants. Like, <laughs> yeah, sophistication is not hit the, the, the you know, the C markets and the live events. I, I called still, it's the third market. Yeah. <laughs> It still boggles my mind that we get the USA chance when we're, you know, uh, and that the, the British wrestlers are always the villains. <laughs> and like, Great Britain is our fucking greatest ally in the world. They're our best friend. <laughs> but there was a in wrestling, they're always the bad guys. Yeah. When, uh, when, when uh, Nick, what's his name? Magnus came to TNA. Uh, he was, he was just like a gladiator type thing. And he came in. And he had this. He was a. Uh, he was on this. The remember American Gladiators. He was the British version of that. Yeah. Right. He just kept him in his kind of gladiator get up. And they're like, oh yeah, we have TV over here, so they'll recognize you or whatever. Uh, and then he comes in, and then fucking. I remember just me and him were just chit chatting, and Dutchman tell just blitz him up and down. Goes, how the hell are anyone gonna know you British? You know, you don't got no flat. You don't got no Union Jacks on your tights or nothing. <laughs> and then Nick looks over and goes, I don't know Dutch. How are they gonna know I'm British? <laughs> like so. Like, I was like, oh, that's when you're talking about that Dutch is Dutch is the guy to listen to. Me and Nick are not. Me and Nick are way too cool for any mark in the building. Like Dutch is the mark in the building. He's the guy you should cater to. Yeah. And then they, Stephanie had an idea for you, right? To uh, to be named George Bush. No, it was Vince's idea. Stephanie's the one that pitched it to me. And I said it was a fucking horrible idea. And like in half a second, she goes, yeah, it is pretty bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of like one of those things where the machine is just moving so fast where it's like you just throw shit at the wall you don't even have time to look at what sticks you're just like throw like ah tv on tuesday you know and then like you just take that sometimes you have to just take that moment and like Stephanie, that sounds like a fucking horrible idea that has no legs past like three weeks and she was that that actually reminds me of when i had my meeting with vince and stephanie and kevin dunn and johnny ace to uh, figure out what my new name was going to be and how we were going to move forward. Um, you know, I, I started as Mr. Anderson in the WWE and then like three weeks later, Vince wanted me to change my name. So we're all sitting around discussing this and um, he, he goes, do you have any catchphrases? And I said, yeah, nice guys finished last. Thank God I'm an asshole. And he's like, 
I like it, but you can't say it because we're PG. Uh, okay. And then Johnny Ace goes, uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, well, what if, let's say your name was like Adam Hole. God bless! <laughs> nice guys finished last. Thank God I'm an a hole. And, that was, and Vince, Vince looked over at me and he goes, What do you think? And I said, um, Well, and I didn't, like, Duari just said, That's a fucking terrible idea. I was a little more political. I said, uh, You know, it's, it's interesting, but I, I feel like that's sort of a flash in the pan type of gimmick that's only going to stick around for a few months at most. It'll be really gimmicky, and I plan on being here for a long time. And he goes, yeah, it's a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's the type of shit, too, that if you if, if Ken was just, like, on board just because he's a new guy there, like, that would just permanently destroy your relationship with Vince forever, and you can never yep. get out of the hole. Yep, yep. Because yeah. he, he looked at you as a cunt from that point forward. <laughs> when, he, when he asked you, he knew it was a fucking rotten idea. What do you think? He yep. said, this motherfucker likes Adam Hole. I'm going to fire him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yep. Yep. Someone talked me out of doing this. Now that John Laurinaitis impression was dead on, man. <laughs> I could not tell <laughs> the difference. Every, every single one of the boys in the locker, you can't tell a Johnny Ace story without doing the Johnny Ace voice. Like everybody does it. <laughs> Now you guys have uh, you guys have Eugene. You guys, Nick 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 Dinsmore is doing a, a training seminar next week, right? Yeah, how'd you do that? Yes. You put the picture up. Like, I don't know if anyone's watching this thing, but like this, this thing is amazing. I wish all these podcasts were like this. I'm I'm actually fully <laughs> amazed. I, I haven't done one of these before. This is awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, so Eugene will be there in, uh, July second. Um, so uh, how how can uh, fans sign up for that? If you go to our website, where my little toolbox go? What happened? Did you guys take it away from me because I wasn't paying attention? No, man. That's all, that's all you. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be the July 2nd. It's a Saturday, I believe, or Sunday. And um, it's – I'm trying to find the thing, the information on it. Uh, so the academyprowrestling.com slash Nick. Yep, exactly. And, and the thing about Nick that a lot of people don't know is they just know Eugene, you know, which was – which is great, but he was—he's been wrestling forever. He was actually the first like contracted developmental talent. Like they said, we know you're good. We know you're gonna pan out eventually. We just have nothing for you right now, so we'll pay you to just keep getting better. Um, and that's kind of the whole developmental territory kind of started from that. And he was like crazy talented and crazy good. And like, kind of like the 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 idea Stephanie had like George W. Bush for me. Like the idea of a wrestling retard is like a three or four week thing maximum. Like I feel like because Nick had the wherewithal and because he's such a good and talented and smart wrestler, but also like entertainer, he was able to make that more than a three week act mm. more than one pay-per-view and he's out. And, and he's continued to do that. Like how he still does Eugene on the Indies. Like how does that thing not run out of material? Like, but he finds new shit all the time. He's worked for NXT as a coach and an agent. He also worked as a trainer in OVW. So he knows specifically he's, I'm sure he's seen trends of, Hey, consistently WWE does seem to like this or they don't seem to like that, that, you know, myself or Ken or any of our coaches really wouldn't be privy to unless you worked in that system. If getting to WWE may be something you want to do someday. Yeah. And you know, like he's such a great wrestler. Like he's so skilled and technical, but he, he and I think a lot of guys given that scenario would figure out a way to um, have Eugene, Hey, is that a show off my there it is. Is it backwards or is yeah. my face backwards? 
I know it's on right. He knew, but but he he knew that it didn't need that the Eugene character was better off. Might he didn't show those skills. Yeah, and he he worked at SummerSlam with Triple H, and and then uh, it, it, it's one of those characters that it's hard to to move on after you're given that. It you can't just you, you get uh, what's it what's it called uh, 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 cast. Uh, Typecast. Oh, typecast. Yeah, typecast. typecast. You know, another thing too, I remember fans initially were really pissed off about the fact that we were, you know, having a retard on WWE and it was, you know, taking the piss at, at people who with special needs. And he did it in a way that was tasteful, you know, as tasteful as you can be in the WWE. But <laughs> right. it, it, no, I mean, it really it was. was. Yeah, he was a sympathetic character for sure. I remember when we would go to the, the like make a wish things like even I, I'm pretty sure none of the kids that were like handicapped or whatever knew he wasn't handicapped, but they didn't care. They were just like they were on board with it. They were like, hey, he's like our guy. He's like one of us, you know, like like, you know, Canadians love fucking Canadian athletes and, you know, Mexicans love the Mexican athletes like the handicapped kids that would come into the make wish stuff like like we want to see John Cena. We want to see like The Rock and we want to see Eugene. I was like, man, that's a good like echelon of talent that a little kid who might not have much time left on planet Earth wants to see of all the wrestlers. It's like the two biggest stars you can imagine. And then Eugene resonates with them. Yeah. So what do you guys see of the goals right now? I mean, so you've got the these guys, you know, and girls, two girls in the class that are coming that want to be wrestlers that are going to the academy that want to learn from from the both of you. What are their goals? I mean, do you see more of these recruits now? They want to be in the WWE one day. Are they looking at NXT as a goal? Do they see Ring of Honor, you know, in the indies as where they uh, uh, aspire to be? We want to help them do what they want to do in the business. And we always say success is defined by the individual. Yeah. And we've got a guy who is 42 years old and uh, not very athletic, knows that, but he comes and he tries every week. And it was something that he just said, look, I wanted to do this my whole life. I'm not getting any younger. I'm going to do this. I have no you know, delusions of grandeur that I'm going to make it to the WWE someday. But I want to do it and I want to be a part of the business. Um, and we've got people who want to go to the WWE want and, and who we believe could potentially get to the WWE. Um, we got people that maybe just want to wrestle on the weekends and have some fun and you know, be a part of the, the independent scene. Um, and we've got one guy who started with us December 5th and just up until three or four weeks ago, couldn't still couldn't take a regular back bump in the ring and but but every week he would come and he would pour his heart into that training session and he would try his his best and he came to us and said you know i don't think the wrestling's for me i would like to be a referee and okay let's do that let's focus on your referee skills you're gonna you're gonna ref every single match and to date he's had like 12 matches now out in the independent scene in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and he's killing it. It's amazing. So, again, success is defined by the individual. Definitely. So, guys, uh, Sean, Ken, thanks so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about the Academy Online? Right there. You know what this is? Uh, <laughs> so if you go to our website, it's academyprowrestling.com. Literally everything you would ever need to know is on there. But if you feel so inclined, you can call us, email us, whatever, 
and ask a question and I'll tell you where on the website you can find the answer to it. But uh, you know, you can get a hold of it. Like it's, it's super easy to get the info you need. And then if, if you can't find it for whatever reason, you can always, all our, like on the first page, our contact info's on there. You can hold of me, Ken, any of the coaches, whatever. Um, the, the cool thing to me that I haven't looked at the analytics of it to know if many people are looking at it is we have this like Google Maps, like virtual tour where you can like come inside our facility. Nice. I don't know how many people are using it. I thought, I thought it was like a really cool thing to have because that's how I actually got my gym in, in California. It was the first time I saw it, I was like doing a little Google street view thing. And I was like, come inside our gym. I was like, what? You can do that? And I like did a street view through the gym. It was awesome. Uh, then I just had it in the back of my head. I was like, man, we should do that too. So maybe people are. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and it's awesome. You guys don't just teach moves and stuff. You guys teach promos and being a character, uh, which is kind of not, not a lot of places do that. It's amazing to me how many people get to WWE and have no idea how to work television. For a few more people to call in. Yeah. We've, we've actually got, uh, we've got an improv group coming in at the end of the month to uh, do a two-day seminar. Oh, that's awesome. feel like that's another tool that they can have in their toolbox. And a lot of professional wrestling involves. So, um, you know, we've, we've kicked around the idea of hiring a ventriloquist to come in and do a seminar just so you can learn how to, you know, communicate with the person you're wrestling with or the referee without pulling a John Cena and, you know, <laughs> duck my clothesline, punch me twice, give me a hip toss. Two tackles, five knuckle shuffle, fireman's carry. <laughs> and then you watch him do it, and it's like, wow. <laughs> man, I heard I could have ducked that shit. Gotta love it, man. Everyone check that out. The Academy, uh, the Academy Pro Wrestling.com and uh, the Academy Pro Wrestling.com slash Nick to sign up for the Eugene seminar on July 2nd. Do that one if you're in the area or want to start soon. We have our next class coming in this Friday, June 30th. I think we have either three or four spots left for that one. And the next one after that should be towards the end of August, which we have about nine to ten spots left for that one. Nice. Cool, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, Raj, you're going to hop off as well? Right yeah, now? I got to hop talk off. Talk about SmackDown a little bit? Yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks again, guys. Yep. See you guys. Take care. Thanks. Pleasure with all yours. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So definitely check that out. Love that. Love that they're going uh, the full 360 of wrestling performance, not just in the ring stuff, but stuff out of the ring. So Dennis, that was a great interview. Yeah, I was glad I was part of it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I When I hang back, I'm just like... That's kind of what I did, you know? I had more fun listening than than jumping in. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, if I don't, if I don't have anything great to offer, I just want to sit back and, and hear uh, what they have to say with the guests, especially guys with that much experience in those stories. But uh, let's talk a little bit about SmackDown last night. So it was the uh, the rematch of uh, Money in the Bank. We had the the or the redo rather of Money in the Bank. We had the rematch of Lana and Naomi. We had the segment with the hype bros. Uh, I don't think we need to go you know deep into everything. We can really touch on the high points, but specifically, um, yeah, what did you make of last night? And, uh, you know, let's, let's start with talking about the hype bros versus the Usos. So the hype bros are back only to get just destroyed by the Usos in, in short order. They are very good at doing that to wrestlers. The hype bros come back and I kind of sat around thinking, all right, when is somebody going to turn on somebody? And it just had that feel never happened. I was sad to see it go down like that since this is the land of opportunity and these guys never really lost their chance at the tag team titles and now they're forced to have to, you know, try to regain it. I, I thought it was okay. You know, the 
the aftermath with New Day didn't really impress me much. They're like, we're spitting hot fire. I'm like, hey, guys, this is kind of lame at best. Uh, if they ended it kind of with some trash talking and, and let the Usos have the last word and move on out, I'd have been all right. I think that segment went on three minutes too long. Although uh, Big E doing a little tribute to Booker T in the uh, infamous promo. From, He's uh, not dead yet. Well, he doesn't need a tribute. <laughs> it was something I didn't even catch it at first because you got kind of like half pay attention. And then right. later in the night, I saw everyone talking about it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. Uh, crazy week, especially in light of what happened Monday. So right. go back and watch that, people. Draw your own connection about uh, what he was doing in homage to there. Um, but, yeah, so they're going to have a rap battle next week on what is perhaps going to be the lowest watched SmackDown of the year. They're just busting it out. What a shame because this really had a pay-per-view feel to it. Even at the very opening with the hype package and the voiceover, I really felt like I was tuning into a two-hour pay-per-view. Oh, absolutely. I said to the wife when she got home, I said, here's the thing. I, you know, I, I cook a lot during wrestling, during Raw, like barbecue mm -hmm. now, during SmackDown, I'll make a meal. I was like, tonight, we're ordering in. I want to sit down and watch this because we've got these big matches coming up. Yes, this absolutely felt like it was going to be a SmackDown pay-per-view last night. Um, and I think that it did not meet those expectations. There were some high points, but there was just some puzzling stuff. And the hype rose just like, like nothing being blown off by the Usos. And then uh, it going to that promo teasing a rap battle. That was the first sort of questionable beat of the night of, huh, maybe I'm not going to get the SmackDown experience I was expecting. There were a few of them. Uh, you know, I'll say this. After a couple lame uh, installments, I was really glad to see, you know, Fandango and uh, Breeze come back strong with this promo. This was a very oh, the fashion good, files. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a very good promo. I was entertained. And boy, if they could just keep it on that level every week or every other week, I, I, I'd like it. Yeah. You know, and they're getting the ascension in on the uh, on the comedy, which is good. Maybe this will get the ascension over a little bit more. God they knows know they've they been. Get. Yeah, seriously. Like, uh, although I would say they were on the bottom rung, but American Alpha, where are they? You know, not even on TV, not even afterthought. Although maybe they'll turn out to be the culprits that uh, were messing with the fashion police. Please. Um. So speaking of quick matches that make you wonder why in the hell they even did it, Lana versus Naomi. I mean, this wasn't even competitive last night. All right. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when Lana came out and did the leg sweep and I kind of had said, oh, look, they're burying her already and everybody was all over me. What are you talking about? She's getting a title shot. This is our – they're not burying her. Hello, th they buried her. Get the shovels out. Get the bagpipes, 21-gun salute. They just killed her off immediately. This is so done weird. for. I, you you elevate her to have two championship matches back-to-back, -back, one on a pay-per-view without wrestling a match – and in the second one, it doesn't even last. It's it's Santina-esque. Let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, whether it's the Royal Rumble or a quick pin, Santino, I mean, that's the best way I can compare this to because it was a joke. Oh, it was so weird that they did this last night. So weird. And you remember when she came out a couple weeks ago, attacked Naomi after, had the belt. The belt was matching her dress. She was standing tall. I was saying, man, she she looked like she could be a credible champion, uh, you know, maybe not in the long term, but that they could, everyone was like, yeah, we could see her, you know, going over Naomi at uh, Money in the Bank. And I said in our Money in the Bank review, I was like, yeah, Lana looked like a credible champion until she started to wrestle. Right. <laughs> and <then> it was. <laughs> it, it, it's exactly it. I think they realized this experiment was, uh, got bust quick. 
and uh, they they pulled the ripcord and bailed out of this. This is yeah, absolutely. You'll so see her strange, next week. Though. You'll see her next week alongside Rusev, and we'll all forget about this experiment. Yeah, kind of crazy. Just that this is how it ends. And what I'll be honest, doing? though, her entrance music was very catchy. I, I yeah, found I like myself it. going, "This isn't that bad of an entrance song." I liked it. No, I think that I think her gear, you know, is a throwback. The way she's dressing in the ring. Um, I mean, you look at the reaction she got online, and Money in the Bank. Uh, you know, I, I was joking about it, but it's true. I feel like you know what you think you saw during that match. Boys became men during mm-hmm. Lana's Money in the Bank pay per view match. Um, there were there was something that I think was there even with her limited ability, but the way they're booking her now, it's like no, I mean. They need something for Naomi to do, but now that Carmella has the briefcase, um, how long? How long do you think until Carmella cashes in and takes the title from Naomi? Boy, I feel like we're not done with this controversy just yet. It felt like after tonight, and we'll get to it, that they're going to milk this a little bit longer, I think. Yeah, they know. They know what they got going for them and uh, that it's getting people talking. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think uh, that element of it certainly makes sense. Um, okay, so Naomi won quickly in short order over Lana. And after that, we by the had, way, yeah. by the way, we talked about it longer than that match went. Seriously, seriously. Um, so Jinder, Randy, face off. Randy was out there shooing Aiden English. Aiden English, perhaps the only person booked worse than uh Lana last night, is more of an afterthought. Just you know, RKO'd and get the hell out of the ring. RKO didn't even happen on the air, it was in commercial. I- they go the back it all of a sudden it's like he's sitting there i'm like what what happened and aiden really looked like if chris jericho and elias sampson had a baby that's what aiden english would have looked like last night <laughs> he had the yeah. scarf he's playing music it, it all right it was a good segue into what we were getting with the randy orton thing you're right yeah uh so randy orton comes out calls out jinder mahal jinder comes out and yeah, we got all the pieces set in place for a Punjabi prison match. Yeah, we talked about this at the top of the show. If you were, you know, not there, you can always go back and listen to what we were talking about. It, it is what it is. You, you're you're <laughs> trying. Yeah, it is. It really is. You're trying to play up the the the, the otherness. Yeah, the ethnicity here. You're really trying to play it up. And I, I, I think we all had that moment when Daniel Bryan's like, hey, we're going to let the gender pick the match. It, I, just I thought, oh, man, please don't be a Punjabi prison match. Please, Maybe please. something on a pole. Yeah, yeah, Perhaps hell in a cell. Maybe he wants a money in the bank match just with two guys and so we'll put the title. You know. Yeah, but nope. Nope. Punjabi prison. Yeah. Not even a beloved throwback, as it were. Nothing. I mean, it was just like. Hey, we're having another one of these, and it's like, wasn't the last like one or two or how many ever they had like five star matches? Not. Well, why why dig this up? Is it like, is it like Sony and Spider Man where you have to have a Spider Man movie every so many years for Sony to be able to keep the rights to them? Perhaps you know, you know if they don't use the prison cell every ten years, yeah, like, Impact's gonna back. take it, man. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. going to be Punjabi prison matches in every indie promotion all over the world. In the WWE, they'll have let their trademark lapse on a match that barely anyone remembers and no one has an affinity for. This is, to me, just as exciting as the ambulance match with Braun Strowman. Oh, I think the ambulance match is far more exciting. I mean, was that... Not this time. 
it has um you know the the tie-in to that great backstage beatdown that we got with Strowman and uh reigns so i'm looking forward to the ambulance match it's absolutely silly but you know i dig it um so yeah punjabi prison people it's happening at battleground the the last pay-per-view before SummerSlam. yippee um backstage we'll face off with kevin owens and aj styles setting up the next week fourth of july battle royale or battle royal as it were um i was gonna say battle royale like the movie i'm with you i'm okay yeah, with that yeah, yeah a bat- yeah. battle royal to and the winner faces owens at battleground so aj's winning this right unless john cena comes but i mean oh I yeah john know- cena will be there yeah, I don't know what John Cena's involvement will be or if he'll be on both brands or one brand or if he's SmackDown. But, boy, you know, once again, I still feel like going after the U.S. championship. And Petey Williams and I have an argument. He says the championship is what that wrestler makes of it. It's To me, it still feels like a third or fourth-tier championship just as good as a television chi- title. And I'm not even sure why AJ Styles is just – banging around with these guys right now. I'd rather see them in a non-title feud to keep them busy and excite me than go after the United States championship. It's an afterthought championship to me. What, the championship held by such esteemed luminaries as Callisto? Lex Luger? Yeah, Ryback? Yeah. <laughs> it's can... got a rich heritage. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, I feel you. I absolutely uh, get it, man. Um, okay, so, you know, last night, is in some ways the night of burying half the card um or half the roster so continuing the burying streak if not bad enough what they did to lana to aid in english what about the 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 canellas the canellises the canelli with mike and maria getting interrupted by sammy Zayn? not exact so not exactly someone they treat like john cena on the roster given how they book sammy Zayn, having sammy Zayn interrupt your promo Gosh, man, I wasn't excited when they came out and did this angle to begin with. It felt too brother lovey to me, uh, and that's not so bad. But they didn't pull it off. I, I would, I like that Sami Zayn came out, interrupted them. I like to, I like seeing them get angry, but nothing happened. It was just like they got angry and stomped off, and then Sami Zayn got his butt kicked, and everybody lost at the end. If there was some kind of interaction or something to move the, the, the something forward, I would have been like, oh all right with it but you didn't see any of that so it just seemed like a pointless interruption to shoo someone off the stage oh no i think they'll they'll spin a feud out of this one and next week we'll have you know sammy versus mike maybe for forget next week let's build it up for battleground that's got pre-show written all over it none of us will care yeah no it's poor sammy if that's yeah. the feud they're they're putting him in next um so weird. So with him and Corbin, I thought this was a good match i thought there's some good moments i'm surprised it didn't go on longer i think that they've been trying to make this feud stick with Corbin and Sammy. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just don't think it's, it's elevated to the level I want to see it at yet. You know, I, I'm really telling a story. I think now the the main mission is to build Corbin up to look like a credible champ. What's and with the smile? What's I, with the smile since he got the briefcase? The weird smile. I, You know, I, I saw that and I felt very creeped out, but... You know, when you get a championship or a briefcase or something new, you're you've always have to tweak your persona just a little bit to match what you're doing. And maybe this is what he's doing. The lone wolf kind of crazy guy. I don't know. But, uh, you know, now the buildup comes. Now the guys that he hung in there, maybe lost a couple matches to he'll start to bury them. Watch. 
Yeah. Baron Corbin, people. It's happening whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the Money in the Bank ladder rematch. Charlotte Flair versus Carmella versus Natalia versus Tamina Snuka versus Becky Lynch. So Carmella, as predicted, won again. Little little fake out, little swerve there. Like, oh, James Ellsworth banned from the building. What's he doing there? Uh, like he was going to do the same thing all over again. Becky Lynch got her comeuppance on him. What do you think of this match, how it compared to the original and this in the main event spot? I liked it. I thought this lived up to it. If not exceeded it, it was great. And I didn't hate the way the original one ended. I thought it was clever. You, you know, the first ever quotes, because there's going to be a hundred more. Nobody's ever <laughs> going to really remember the first ever. So they did something different and I liked it. Uh, you know, now, you know, when you talk about these other ladder matches and interference, you can throw this in here. And it was a first on the first. I liked it. I liked the fact that Carmella won it again because now it doesn't cheapen what she did the first oh, time. Oh, she had to. She had to win Absolutely. it again. And, and th yeah, this doesn't change their plans for her. No, and, and I thought it was great. I was okay with it. The, they're, the only bad thing about it was Tamita's, was it the snooker jump off the top rope? Mm. Very weak and awkward. And that that's nitpicking. I thought that match up and down was better than the first match. They seemed more comfortable. They were taking some more chances. It they was, had more time. Yes. It was – congratulations, guys. It was a great one. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I love that Tamina being trapped under the ladder and doing the bench press and taking it over. Great. There were some great spots. I mean, uh, it was fantastic. I'm curious what they do with Carmella from here. I see her as the transition for how they're going to get the belt back. They're going to get the SmackDown belt on Charlotte. I have a feeling Carmella will take it off Naomi. And then, yeah, you know, before we know it, Charlotte's going to be the SmackDown champion. And then God help us all. Because if it's going to be like it was on Raw, it's strap in, folks. It's never ending. No. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it'll just keep bouncing back and forth. So it was good. Did you watch Talking Smack last night? I didn't. Oh, my God, dude, you have to watch it. Kevin Owens stole the show. Did he? It was so good. The Usos came out. Daniel Bryan freestyle rapped. It was uh. awkward, yet kind of endearing. <laughs> um, it was a great Talking Smack. Okay. Thank God Daniel Bryan's back on that show. I'm going to go watch it. Yeah, it's been a while since he's been on, and they've been okay without him. Oh, it's terrible without him. Okay. I'm glad you were nicer than me. Yeah, absolutely absolutely a disappointment without daniel bryan on the show shane mcmahon is look he's a likable guy he's got a certain david naughton quality that people can relate to but uh yeah it's just something something about daniel bryan giving zero f's that really takes talking smack to the next level i agree he was even trashing great balls of fire last night as a name thank god someone yeah. it's horrible have you noticed uh before we before we wrap this up i know we were going extra long today because we had our guests but it I've noticed that since Money in the Bank, I have seen repeated the promo for Joe versus Lesnar. I have yet to see repeated on the network or in programming the promo where the superstars are singing the song lyrics. No, I, I, I you're right. I saw it once, maybe twice, and it was gone. And, you know, Petey Williams and myself had a bet which would be the first superstar to say Great Balls of Fire on live TV. And finally, it was last week with Paul Heyman. Finally, the first yeah. time. Well, Paul was singing it this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So lots of stuff missing this week. People are pointing out no Ty Dillinger, no American Alpha, no Harper, no Rowan. Um, you know, Shinsuke had like a teensy little back, backstage watching 
gave a, gave a little promo. But this um, is good, though. I like the fact, and people are, wish SmackDown would be three hours, and I get it. But <laughs> do, do people wish SmackDown would be three I, hours? I, I hear a lot of, because you know, they. I think they have more of a talented roster, and I would rather see Raw at two and SmackDown at three, but this this doesn't oversaturate us with the guys that we like. They can take a week or two off and then bring them back, and it, it, it still feels... I like the fact that they're they're stringing us along with the talent. They're not trying to fit everybody in into two hours, and then we go, oh, yeah, we got Ty for eight seconds. Yeah, Ty's been off unless they give them the American Alpha treatment, which you know they've been known to do that before. But if you know they bring them back in the right situation, this time off is good. The American Alpha treatment sounds like the absolute worst thing to get at the day spa. I I, I feel it too sometimes. <laughs> cool man so uh talking smack highly recommended for last night all in all good smackdown good week for wrestling i know you know uh there was one segment monday that people thought huh we thought raw could go off the rails before we've now hit a new way a new low for raw going off the rails i liked it from a sports broadcaster standpoint (laughs) there you go give you something more to talk about uh so on that note dennis plug the podcast tell people where they can find you online Right here on WrestlingInc.com. You can also find the on the Wrestling Inc. iTunes and Stitcher feed. Please subscribe, rate five stars, leave a comment. If you have iTunes, it helps uh, Wrestling Inc. in the algorithms. You can get the Monday reviews. You can get the SmackDown reviews. You can also get the Wrestling Perspective podcast with myself and PD Williams, who is a former TNA X Division champion. Uh, we're trying to take phone calls now. but oh, Wow. Ballsy. It's, yeah, it's kind of ballsy. So watch for his Twitter account, my Twitter account. Usually in the morning, we'll tweet out a phone number. And if you catch our Twitters and you get it, call in and be part of the podcast. We're not going to do it every week, but we want to get more fans involved. Uh, he is IPD Williams, and I am Dennis 77 Farrell, F A R R E L L. Cool, man. So, everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back here Monday night. Myself, Raj Geary, Mr. Matt Morgan. And until next time, folks, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. On behalf of myself, Dennis Farrell, our guest today, and Mr. Raj Geary, we'll see you next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.